So, um, so this is what we do right now. We're in the book of Daniel. Daniel. Yes, I almost fell. Daniel chapter five. five. Daniel chapter five. And it's been an incredible book so far. We're almost done with it. Not the entire book, but we're going to stop at chapter six because in chapter seven and on, we get into some crazy stuff, which, you know, I'm, in, I'm down for a roller coaster, but I don't think that we can hang on as tight as I'd like to. So we're going to stop at chapter six. Today, we're in Daniel chapter five. So far, as a recap, we know that Daniel and his friends have been taken captive. They're slaves. And now they were under King Nebuchadnezzar. But get this. Now, in Daniel chapter 5, King Nebi is dead. Dun, dun, dun. How did he die? I don't know. I forgot. But it doesn't tell us anyways, okay? King Neb is dead, and his son is ruling as king. And so we're going to look at this story, a very short reign for his son and how crazy it is. And we're going to see that God is faithful to judge sin. And we're also going to see, I mean, this is King Neb's son, right? What happened in Daniel chapter 4? What happened to King Neb? Well, he went moo. He got judged for his sin. But he also became a? Cow. A cow. And the other C word? Christian. Yeah, he had faith, right? He finally exalted God. He finally put his faith in God and recognized that he was the one true God. And so King Nebuchadnezzar had faith. He became a Christian. And his one desire for his nation, Babylon, was that Babylon would, too, honor God. That they would become a God-honoring nation. And we're going to see that that is exactly what did not happen after King Nebuchadnezzar died. Okay? You guys know uh, the story. In uh, 1952, let me get my fact checker here. Uh, Nolan, 1952, uh, there was this big ship. This mega ship, this luxurious ship, and it wasn't 1952, it was 1912, and it was a steamboat, and it was built to transport 2,400 passengers. Dude, you cannot steal my thunder like that. Come on, man. Okay, a luxurious steamboat fits a ton of people, and all the creators of this steamboat, we're not saying the name yet, all the creators were boasting and how great it was. You know, it's built to last. They said this, this ship was unsinkable. Nothing can sink this ship. It's crazy. It's awesome. We've been working on it for years. And it's going to go all across the North Atlantic coast, whatever, wherever it went. It didn't go far. And, uh, and they were boasting in it. And the captain even was so proud of this ship, what he's done, what he was about to sail in. And he said these words right before they sailed. Not even God could sink this ship. Boo. And it, it sank and it sank and it, it killed 1,000 uh, something people and a lot of people. And it was very bad. And uh, that's what happens when you have pride. Okay, so that's my intro for tonight. And go ahead, turn to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. We're going to see once again what happens when you have pride. And what soon follows is, of course, destruction, a fall. And we saw that with King Nebuchadnezzar. And now we're going to see that with his son, Belshazzar. His son, Belshazzar. Um, no, it's Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Belteshazzar is Daniel. And that's not who we're talking about right now. Daniel chapter 5, turn there. And once you turn there, we are going to read it together. 
and I'm going to have you stand. Once you're there, Daniel chapter 5, go ahead, stand to your feet. Daniel chapter 5. Go ahead, I'm waiting, dude. Go ahead, use your table of contents, use your fingers, and use your mind. Turn to Daniel chapter 5, and we're going to read it together. Stand up when you're there. Come on. You can put like a little post-it there, okay? We're going to be here every week, okay? Daniel chapter 5, I'm going to go ahead and start. But here's a catch. As I read this, every time the word then comes up, I want you to scream it as loud as you can, okay? So you're going to follow along. Every time the word then comes up, then I want you to scream it out loud, okay? So I know that you're following with me, okay? Daniel chapter 5. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar is dead. Daniel is about 80 years old now. Okay, there's about four kings that have passed. And now Belshazzar is a fifth king after King Nebuchadnezzar. And so we're going to see what happens to this king. Okay, Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. You're repeating the word then every time you, you see it. Okay, verse 1. Belshazzar, the king, held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. And he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels, which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. That's them. Verse 3, then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank and wine, drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale and his thoughts alarmed him and his hip joints went slack and his knees began knocking together. Can you imagine this? Verse seven, the king called aloud to bring in the conjurers and the Chaldeans and the diviners, the wicked witch of the West. Where are you? Okay. And they're all there together. The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the kings, then all the kings, wise men came in, but they could not. Okay. They could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and you have to be. Okay, you have to be in sync and you're not repeating it, okay? Verse 9. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler and his nobles were perplexed. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, O king, reign forever. Live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation and enigmas and solving of difficult problems were found in this who? Daniel, Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. This is like deja vu, right? Okay, another thing that needs to be interpreted. Who can solve this? Who can understand it? Let's bring all the wise men. Oh, they can't figure it out because they're fake. Let's call Daniel. And now Daniel is here, 80 years old about. He's old. Maybe he's in retirement by now. But they call him back in. Verse 13. Then, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, who my father the king brought from Judah? Now I have heard about you, that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom has been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear necklace, good necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as a third ruler in the kingdom. What? Then, then Daniel answered and said before the king, I like this, keep your gifts for yourselves. Or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, uh, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished he killed and whomever he wished he spared alive. And whomever he wished, he, he elevated. And whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beasts and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He became a cow. He was given grass to eat like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized the most high God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it. Wait, he sets over it whomever he wishes. You remember this, right? That was the last chapter. Verse 22. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all of this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see, hear or understand. They're fake. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him and this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Upharsin, Upharsin. 
whatever you want to say. This is the interpretation of the message. Mene means God has numbered your kingdom and put a, uh, an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Then, then Belshazzar gave orders. You weren't paying attention. And they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him. And he now had authority as the third ruler, as a third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. He was killed. So Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Then you sat down. Okay, go ahead. Good job. Good job. Okay, no more words from you. Okay? Uh, Now, crazy story, right? I, I feel like I say that after every chapter, but it really blows our mind to see. This is what we see. Belshazzar, his father is who? Who's Belshazzar's dad? King Nebuchadnezzar. Who's Belshazzar's dad? King Nebuchadnezzar. So Belshazzar knows what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, right? He knows that his father put his faith in God and now has faith and he wanted his kingdom, Babylon, to be a God-fearing, God-honoring nation, right? But Belshazzar, now that he's king, he does not have faith. He does not trust this God. He does not put his faith in this God like his father did. No, he totally rejects this God. And what I want you to see here, listen up, is that sin demands judgment. And God will judge your sin. He will. And what we see and what we learn from Belshazzar, not following after his father, is a perfect example of what it means that our faith is uninherited, meaning that we do not automatically gain our faith. We are not automatically entered into the kingdom of God just because our parents have faith, just because our parents are Christians, just because our family are Christians. No, we need to have our own faith. We need to ourselves repent and put our faith in God. And that's what we see with Belshazzar, who does not do this. And so we're going to look at this in three points, okay? And we're going to see this, what Belshazzar does and what he does to deserve judgment. And I want you, as we go through this, to see, am I doing things that are similar to this? In what areas am I also sinning in the ways that Belshazzar also sinned, okay? So point number one, the sin, the sin. And we see this in verses 1 through 4 and verses 22 through 23. So these, the sin, these are all characteristics of a person who is about ready to get judged. These are things, these are sins that are found in a person. And if they're found in you, then get ready because God is going to judge this sin. He must He's a just God and he will punish sin. And point A, the first sin that we see in Belshazzar and maybe that we see in you and in ourselves and as we've seen in Nebuchadnezzar is point A, he was prideful. He was prideful. 
And I gave it to you because these words are bigger and I don't want you to waste time on it. He was prideful, verses 1 through 4. Babylon is currently at battle with the Medes and the Persians. But you know what Belshazzar does? He's like, you know what? We're fine. You know, uh, Babylon is, is fine. You know, we're strong. We're, we're great. We got our wall. We don't need to worry about these Medes and Persians. We're strong. Okay, I can do it on my own. You know what? And in fact, I don't even need this God that my father put his faith in and this fa- my father put all his trust in and submitted to. I don't need that God because we are strong and I can do it on my own. That was his pride. He didn't worry about this threat, the Medes and the Persians coming to invade because they were strong and rightfully so. They were strong, but he was too prideful to submit his life to God. And so... The first sin that we see, the same sin that we saw all throughout the life of Nebuchadnezzar is his pride. And I want you to ask yourself, is this your same attitude? Do you go throughout life and you think your life is so chill? Your life is so easy. You're so great. You're so smart. You've got it all worked out for you. And you don't need this God to tell you what to do. You've got it on your own. You can figure it out on your own. Do you experience, do you have this same pride that basically goes, I don't need help from God. I can do it on my own. That was the heart of Belshazzar and the Babylonians. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Look at your outline. Pride goes before. Pride goes before. Pride goes before. Yeah, it does. And a haughty spirit before stumbling. So go ahead. Be prideful. Think that you can live this life on your own without God. Think that you've got it all figured out, that you're so great. And you know what's going to come? Destruction. That's what we saw with that Titanic story. Oh, God, even God can't sink this ship. And a little iceberg sunk it. Okay. So pride goes before destruction. Point A, he was prideful. Point B, he was rebelling. He was rebelling. Belshazzar knew exactly what his father, King Nebuchadnezzar, had done. He knew exactly what he had done. He knew exactly what happened to him, that he was turned into a cow and that he was ultimately judged by God, that he was humbled and that because of this, he put his faith in God. He knew the whole story. And Daniel even reminds him of this story in case he forgot. He knows what he must do, and that is to submit his life to God. He knows, and so do you, that sin must be followed by God's judgment, that God will judge sin, and that God will humble the proud. He knows this because he's seen it with his father. And even though he knows this, he still chooses to rebel against God, and to reject him, and to go away from God, and to go his own way, to fall into his own sin, and to give in to his own pleasures. Belshazzar, even though he knows the knowledge of God, he knows what is required of him, he still chooses to reject it. And you might think that this is insane. You might think that Belshazzar is such a fool for rejecting a God whom he's seen had such a heavy hand on his father. 
You might think he's insane for not heeding the warning, for not listening to the warning of his own father's testimony. But I would say that this might even be you. Because you know why? Each week, twice a week, you hear the gospel preached to you over and over and over again. Each week, multiple times a week, I'm sure even more than, I'm, uh, than I know because you're in godly homes where your parents are teaching you the gospel and your parents are teaching you about Jesus Christ. Each week, over and over again, you hear that you must submit to God, that you must obey God. Each week you hear the glorious truths of the gospel that Jesus died for you, that he rose again, that he offers you salvation if you put your faith in him and turn away from your sins. You hear this over and over and over again. And maybe it's just like a a script to you. And and whenever I share the gospel, you just kind of tune out because you've heard it over and over again. Your parents are Christians. You've got it down. And yet, even though you hear this glorious truth of the gospel, You go home and you go back to your sin. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you act pridefully. You are so angry toward your parents and toward your siblings. You're all about yourself. You're all about your desires and your own pleasures and satisfying yourself. Even though you hear the glorious truths of the gospel, even though each week I tell you that if you do not repent from your sins, you will go to hell You go home and you continue to sin and rebel against God. This is exactly what Belshazzar did. And this is exactly what you might be doing as well. And you know what? I think that there is greater judgment. There is greater condemnation that will be on people who have heard the glorious truths of the gospel, who know what they must do, that they must repent and believe, who have heard the gospel over and over again, there's going to be more condemnation on those people who have heard the truth and still reject it over and over than those who have never heard the truth and reject it or who go to hell. You have heard the gospel over and over again. Has it become numb to you? Have you grown tired of it? Has it become so overplayed in your mind that you don't delight in it anymore? That you don't find it fascinating? That you don't find it incredible that someone would die for you and take the penalty of your sins? That's what Belshazzar did. He heard it over and over. He heard his father's testimony and he still chose to rebel. Maybe that's you. This is what I was talking about. Luke 12, 47 through 48. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will, will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. You have heard the gospel over and over, and you must respond to it. Point C. Belshazzar was also idolizing. Verse 23. He was also idolizing. Belshazzar exalted himself. Obviously, that's what happens when you're so prideful. You're making an idol of yourself. And also, he was idolizing what? These false gods. 
these gods made of bronze and silver and gold and wood and all these gods. He was idolizing them and he was worshiping them instead of the one true God. He refused to submit his life to the one true God, right? And again, this sin, you might think, that's crazy. Why would Belshazzar worship this wooden statue and these metal statues? It's so silly. It's so foolish. But you too make your own idols, right? What is an idol? Anything that you put above God. Anything that you make a priority above God in your life. Do you spend all of your time, all of your thinking, all of your brain about sports, about your friends, about your popularity, about how you look, about you know, how much money you can get in the future, what your future career will be, what your future spouse will be like. Do you spend all your time thinking about things that are not God, worshiping things that are not the one true God? If so, then that is your idol. And that is a sin that demands judgment, right? So think to yourself and in small groups, what do I make an idol as well? Well, Belshazzar was evil. He was terrible. He did not follow his father's way. He went to his sin. He fell into the trap and he was prideful. He was constantly rebelling against God and he was constantly idolizing false gods. Now, point number two, there is the warning, the warning. Here it is again. The warning comes from Daniel. Daniel is now old. He's been called back in. And Daniel is not afraid to tell it like it is, right? We've seen this over and over again from Daniel. He has an uncompromising faith. He has an undying faith. He is not afraid to tell Belshazzar, as he did with his father, what is wrong, what he has done, and what he deserves, and what he must do to repent from his sins. And so the warning comes from Daniel. He reminds Belshazzar of the testimony of his father that God judged Nebuchadnezzar and humbled him, made him into a cow. Okay, I have to pause. Made him into a cow and judged him because of his sin. And so he's warning Belshazzar once again, if you do not repent from your sins, if you do not turn to God, then you too will be judged. This is a warning. And this is a warning, again, that you hear week after week, right? We know that the wages of sin is death. That the wages of sin is death, right? Our sin, because we have a holy and righteous God, our sin demands a punishment, which is death, eternal death, which is hell, a terrible punishment, but one that we deserve. And you've been warned over and over again that if you do not submit to God, that if you do not turn away from your sins and let it go, and as we sang, surrender all to God, if you do not put your faith in him, then you will receive this punishment. You will receive the judgment. And Daniel gives this same warning to Belshazzar. And he warns him. He reminds him of the testimony of his father. But he does 
not listen. And again, I ask you, is this your same response? Do you hear the warning and yet choose to ignore it again and again? I don't know how I can make it any more real to you. I don't know how I can make you understand that this judgment is terrible and that hell is a real place. If that doesn't keep you up at night, then you're in huge trouble. You should tremble and you should fear this great punishment. And you should heed the warning. You should acknowledge the warning. But Belshazzar doesn't. Romans 1 verse 18 through 20. This is an excellent passage describing unbelievers. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. We see the, the proof that God exists all around us. We know that he exists. They're understood so that they are without excuse. Each one of us is without excuse. We must respond to the gospel. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You know what this is talking about? You know what? You sin over and over again, and I'm telling you that your sin is going to be judged, and you're saying to yourself, well, I've been good so far. I mean, I've sinned, and I've delighted in all these pleasures and all these things that God hates, and he hasn't judged me yet. So far, I'm pretty good. I mean, he, I mean, maybe he's just going to pass over me. Maybe he's not going to judge me for my sin. And you know what this verse is saying? That's not true. God is just being patient with you. He's just showing you mercy for now. But your sin will be judged. Maybe not today. Maybe you won't see the extreme consequences of your sin today. But one day... Your sin will be judged. The ultimate judgment is hell. But there are also earthly consequences. And your sin, even though you try to hide it, will be found out and it will be judged. You cannot hide from it. So that's a warning. Now point number three, the judgment. The judgment. See this in verses 24, 31. We see Daniel who deciphers this message that, get this, was carved by the hand of God into a wall. If that isn't a shocking warning that would bring about repentance, then I don't know what is. I don't know how much of a warning that you need than the hand of God to carve out this warning to you. But here it is to Belshazzar. He still ignores it. And so he gets the judgment that his kingdom will end like was prophesied like we saw with the statue remember that we saw king nebuchadnezzar and the babylonian kingdom will uh, eventually end and now it is about to end it is about to fall god has had enough with the sin of babylon and he is going to put an end to it 
once and for all. And so it is with us. Like I said, for you unbelievers, for you who will not submit your lives to Christ, the ultimate judgment is eternal death, is hell. That's what happens if you don't put your faith in Christ. But even for you Christians, even for you who have already submitted your life to Christ, you say that you're a Christian, you say that you've put your faith in Christ, and that is great. Even for you, your sin will have consequences. Your sin will not be judged with eternal death because Christ forgave it on the cross, but your sin will still have consequences. And so that should drive you to pursue holiness, to pursue Christ's likeness, to become more like Christ and to honor him with all of your life, to always seek to bring him glory. All of us must repent from our sins, but some of you need to repent for the first time. Well, this is a heavy message on the judgment of God, right? We've seen over and over again in the book of Daniel that God will judge sin. And even though you may not see his judgment now, he will execute his judgment eventually. And so you must take the warning and you must delight and not grow numb to the glorious truths of the gospel, to the great, good, awesome, amazing news that we hear and we find in Jesus Christ, that he would die for us, that he would pay for our sins, that the judgment that we deserve, the full wrath of God, hell, he took that upon himself on the cross because he loves his children. And he rose again from the dead. He defeated death. He sent it back to the right hand of his father. He lives today and we must submit our lives to him. Look up. Would you consider all of these sins that we talked about, that we found in Belshazzar? And would you ask yourself, do I find these sins in my own life? In what ways do I go against God? And what must I do tonight to turn away from my sin, to repent and to honor God with my life. Will you submit your life to him or will you be judged? Let's pray. Father, we thank you even for a heavy message like this where we see your judgment poured out on a sinner like Belshazzar. But Lord, let us not look at Belshazzar and judge him and think how terrible he is without first looking at ourselves and our own sinfulness. Lord, we know that we are all sinners, that we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory, fallen short of your perfect standard. And we all deserve hell. We all deserve your judgment. But... We are so thankful that you love your children so much that you have sent your only son to die for us. That you are pleased to crush him in order that you would save us lost sinners. For all of us, for all of those who have not yet put their faith in you, would you lead them to your son?
Would you help them to see their sin, to feel broken over it, to repent over their sin, and to put their lives in your hands and to surrender all to you. And for those of us who have given our lives to Christ, to your son, would you help us to grow, to become more like your son, to kill our sin still, to pursue holiness, and to love you and honor you and give you glory with everything we do in our lives. Help us, Lord. We need your help. We cannot do it in our own strength. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.